Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. If you're an LP, you just got to know your sponsor. Get to know them. Pick up the phone and call them and ask them questions. That's the best advice I would give in real estate. And if you don't feel comfortable with them or if they're hurried to get off the phone with you, then they're not right for you then. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success real estate and follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals or you can follow up with your investors and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Followup Boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial twice the length of the normal trial for a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference February 24th through 26th back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. Best ever listeners, I'm excited to introduce you to our newest host that we're bringing on to the team. His name is Slocum Reed, along with myself and Ash. Slocum will be providing value to every interview he does 
I've known Slocum for years, and I've watched his portfolio continue to grow. He currently owns and operates 65 units, including converting three units into an office building. So he's an owner-operator. He's coming from certainly a different perspective than I have. I know he's going to bring his expertise and cut through the fluff and get the best real estate investing advice ever for you. So welcome, Slocum Reed. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Slocum Reed. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. And today we have Jacob Garza with us. How are you doing, Jacob? I am fantastic, Slocum. How are you? Doing great. I'm excited for this interview. Jacob is a co-founder of REAP, Real Estate Equity Partners, which focuses on acquiring underperforming income producing multifamily investment properties in Texas. Current portfolio, they are the GPs of 2,374 units worth over $274 million. Reap is currently celebrating their 10-year anniversary. Congratulations, Jacob. Thank you. They are based in San Antonio, Texas. So, Jacob, tell me how the last 10 years have gone with Reap. Well, like a lot of things, they started out very slow until we get our legs. And from that, it's taken off. So, We started with a 24-unit apartment complex. My wife and I were both co-founders of Reap Equity and were also self-managed. I'm kind of a different tool, if you would. When I bought our first property, or we bought our first property 10 years ago, we actually did all the maintenance on it and Arlene did the leasing on it. Prior to that, I had a very large exit with a software company, so we were able to take our time, if you would. Fast forward to today, yeah, we've got about 2,500 units under management. We do our own own management company. We'll talk more about that later. We've raised, I forget the number now, $100 million. We've gone full cycle on 13 properties, and those also include refinances. We deployed about $100 million in CapEx. So like a lot of your listeners, that's our story, and that's where we are today. That's great. So starting slow for you means starting with a 24-unit. Yes. And it seemed like a big behemoth goal at that point. We bought one. We so overwhelmed. Right. But yeah, that was it. I've been there literally with a 24 unit. It wasn't my first. It was fifth or sixth and self-managing. Man, I'm even bad with a hammer and a paintbrush. So there are some things that I couldn't do myself, which I'm fortunate to say because it forced me to find good people for that. But I know how daunting a 24 unit can feel when it's the first or it's the first commercial property. You said you guys self-managed back then. You own a management company now. So you guys are still fairly self-managed even with 2,500 doors? Yeah, we're totally self-managed. We have a president who runs Represidential and our building, we're on the fourth floor and they're on the second floor. And it's a traditional accounting property management company, full accounting, HR, whatever else they do down there. But yeah, that's what it is. For your listeners' knowledge, Arlene and I actually went third-party Slocum when we hit about 350 units. Okay. The story behind that is we weren't large enough to hire anybody to run it, so we were running it. And then we couldn't buy anything because we were literally running a management company. So we went third-party for about two years. 350 doors, couldn't manage it yourselves and grow. What year was this? 2015. 2015. Okay, Mm -hmm. please continue. Yes, thank you. We went third party and that was the best piece of advice because it actually allowed us to focus more on raising money, right? Buying relationships with brokers. And we got to about 1,200 units and then brought it back in-house in 2017. 
and the rest of the day is history, and that's where we are today. How many doors did you have when you brought it back in-house in 17? 1,200. 1,200. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. What made that the right time to bring management back in-house? There is enough management fee income coming through the door. We could hire some good staff. So we opened up an office. We hired an accountant. We hired an HR person, and I think an accounting clerk, and then someone to run it at a director level, not like with the president we have today, but certainly not a regional either. And still, when that happens, the director was able to run the management company pretty much by themselves. A little guidance for me. I have experience with startup companies, and but this made all the difference in the world and allowed us to continue to raise capital, right? And have the relationships with the brokers and, and buy properties. So it worked out. I'm going to be selfish for a moment here and just hope that the best ever listeners get value out of me asking questions on my own behalf, Jacob. I self-manage, I'm at 65 doors and I'm looking to double my portfolio this year. It's January, 2022 when we're recording. I self-manage, it's just me, no other partners that are active enough to be involved in property management or asset management. The only way that I can stay efficient with my time right now is with hiring virtual assistants. Even with only 65 doors, Hiring a virtual assistant, depending on how you count, 20 to 40% of the cost of a local full-time employee with the same skills, that allows me even just at 65 doors to have one person full-time on the phones, handling all prospective tenant inquiries, tenant concerns, everything in the leasing process that doesn't have to be done in person. I do have one full-time maintenance technician on staff. I have some decent rehabbing subcontractors. And then I have another VA who's helping me with back-end things, bookkeeping, tracking financials, things like that. What I'm asking for here is when I get to 350 doors, I expect that I will still want to self-manage. So why is it that you decided when you were that size that it was time to let go Do you think you should have done it sooner? And is there anything that you have learned since then that would have helped you remain self-managed as opposed to needing third party? So I think one of the first questions was, should we have done this sooner? And like a lot of things in life, the answer is yes. However, I can tell you, you can't change history, right? It is what it is. We learned so much running the management company. Again, still would have been better earlier rather than later, but we learned so, so, so much. And even today just continues to pay really big dividends for us because I do believe this is the decade of the management company. We talk more about operational execution and how that juices the returns or helps you hit your pro forma. What was your other question? You had three really good ones. The other question here is you say you should have given it up sooner. One of the issues that we face in Ohio, particularly in Cincinnati, where I am, is that our market rents are so much lower than so much of the country that finding quality third-party property management that's paid on a percentage of gross revenue, our gross revenues are so much lower than so many places, including a lot of the places where you're invested in Texas. It's really hard to find quality third-party property management for 10%, much less for less than that of our market rents. You just said this is the decade of the property manager, which 
makes me feel, Jacob, like I need to stay in control, even though it is very enticing to find a third-party manager and hiring a third-party manager would help me free up my time to grow. Again, best ever listeners, I'm really asking on behalf of myself, but I really also hope that you're getting value out of this too. I feel like Jacob has an abundance of knowledge that he's sharing with us right now. The real question is, how can I stay in control? How can I continue to self-manage? Because I know that self-management will mean that my portfolio performs better than if I hire someone else and still be able to continue growing the portfolio. In the perfect world, you definitely want to stay in control, grow the company to where you say you want to double in size this year, correct? Yes, which is just 65 to 130. Now that's significant. Getting there is probably burning some midnight oil and maybe hiring an extra VA, I don't know. But at some point, bringing somebody on board that's there, that's tangible, that can help run these. Are these single families, the duplexes, a couple of 10? Predominantly C-class apartments. Okay. And predominantly one bedroom. And specific to one bedroom C-class apartments, the turnover rate is high. We're good at being aggressive about leasing, but also that means that they're very hands-on. So while you're getting and doubling in size, it's just all you. Let's just say it's you for now because you want to stay in control. And I agree with that, by the way. I think that's the strategy to go with. You mentioned something about leasing online. So some of the efficiencies that we have done to help maximize the less time it takes is all of our lease applications, all of our forms, our TA lease, every one of those are online. As a matter of fact, you cannot sign anything. Is that what's happening with you as your software? 100% between my virtual assistants and my software, my electronic signature software, my property management software, it's all online. When someone tells me they need a paper application, we tell them it's only online. And frankly, in a C-class area, someone who can't handle an online application, I look at them as less employable and therefore less qualified an applicant. Because if there's someone who can't handle opening a link in an email, then that's not somebody I I miss one of my apartments anyways. Yeah, I like that. That's a nice nugget there. So the point in that is just try to automate as much as you can, because when you do that, it's less for you or your VAs to do And while you're buying more and just making that transition into, yes, now I'm going to bring somebody on part-time or full-time to help you. And that's going to be your game changer. If you could get there, then you're focused fully on, I'm assuming you syndicate some of these, uh, all of them or? Not yet. No, I do have partners on some of my deals with their active partners. Okay. The more you'll be able to find other opportunities and work with your partners to close more deals. And then it just begins to scale and the old word scale. Then, then it just, you get to 300 and you're a whole different shop at that point. And you've got some real lieutenants, I call them, that's taking care of the day to day. And the good news is you've been there and you know what it's like. So you can't BS the BSers as they say. Um, and I don't know, I'd put money with you because I know you're going to take care of it. So wish you all the luck. I think you have a lot going for you and you're right there. So Jacob, thank you. I want to ask a little more specific question here. And then I want to move on to a comment you made previously outside of maintenance, the guy who turns the wrench or rolls the paint roller. I am the only person in-house locally. I totally feel the compulsion that you have that you're giving me to hire someone part-time or full-time to be here locally. For my first 
local hire outside of maintenance and renovation, what responsibilities should I be looking at giving that person? What is it they'd be taking off of my plate from your perspective? Okay. If you could color code the work that you currently do, you've got what I consider goal time, right? Which is like family time, time that you maybe spend with something you want to do. Maybe you want to write a book or something that's just really, really your time. Below that, you've got green time. And those are some of the things that you just have to get done. And then below that, you've got brown time, which is really wasting your time watching YouTube videos and spending all hours on TikTok. So you want to try to give up as much of that green time as you possibly can. And I don't know what that specifically is. I'm assuming you want to continue to buy more properties and spend more time with cultivating your investors yes. and managing them, but showing an apartment, making a move in, doing a punch list on something, all of those, in my opinion, you can teach somebody to do and manage it. Then you can, from that point, continue to grow your business. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to start your own syndication business or maybe you've tried, but you've been unable to get your first apartment deal? Well, it's hard. I know firsthand getting started in syndication is not easy. So have you considered working with a mentor? Imagine working one-on-one with a full-time syndicator who can help you do your first apartment building deal faster, help you avoid big mistakes, and scale your portfolio. If you feel like I'm speaking to you right now, then I want you to check out the mentoring program from my friend, Michael Blanc, who specializes in helping people get started with apartment buildings. I've known Michael for many years now. and he genuinely wants to help people become financially free. He developed a proven system and has helped hundreds of people do their first apartment building deal. I know he can help you as well. To find out more, text the word Joe, J-O-E, to 66866. I know Michael's going to take care of you. Go ahead and text the word Joe, J-O-E, to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own apartment syndication business. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive Investing investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Jacob, I want to go back to what you said about this being the decade of property management. You have, except for a two-year stint between 2015 and 2017, when operationally it made more sense to go third party so that you continue growing. You guys have kept property management in-house. You have it in-house now, and it sounds like you will for the foreseeable future. Decade of property management, how is it that keeping that in-house has played to your advantage for the last few years? And what is it that you're projecting about self-management moving forward that is going to help your portfolio outperform other similar portfolios? 
Sure. And I think this is a fact. No one's going to manage your properties than you will. I feel that every day. (laughs) Yes. And if everyone could do it, they would. It's a special breed. My wife wouldn't do it. She likes buying and then she likes raising the capital. But there's something about inherent in both of us that we just like that. And today that's a huge advantage for us. So that to me, the fact that we like to do it and we can do it, no one else is going to manage your properties better than we will. And you're right. We have no intention of handing this off to anyone else. And for the foreseeable future, what makes us competitive is we have an opportunity like you to create your own culture, right? Your own caring individuals that actually come to work every day and hearing this from you and me, they know why they're there. There's a real sense of purpose. And you and me have a chance to treat these employees the way we want to be treated because the link is the property, us and ownership. There's that conduit they sit between. And there's a real energy, if you would, that goes through there that we've got some owners that really care, not only about the properties, they care about us. And when you start building that, and there's so many other intangibles that I could talk about with how this works and has nothing to do with property management, nothing to do with treating people right and giving them guidance and giving them a roadmap. They come to work with a purpose and they're on a team, they're fulfilled. And unless all this sounds for some, perhaps for some people like whatever, but no, it's really the absolute truth. And so you have an opportunity to really build something pretty special and with a purpose. And I've always said any business I've ever operated and owned, if you take care of the ultimate end user, everything will take care of themselves. And in this particular case, it's the renter. If you take care of them, they're going to pay the mortgage. They're going to pay the landscape. They're going to pay the water and they're going to pay us the money that's left over to hit our pro formas. And that's what we've been able to establish here at REAP and it's worked very well for us. Absolutely. You know, with all of the tumult of coronavirus, the last couple of years, again, this recording is January of 2022. I saw within my own sphere And within the off-market lead generation I've been doing for the last couple of years, that it is particularly the non-local real estate investors who went and hired a big property management company that they had never heard of before, that they didn't do much vetting on. Those are the people who had a hard, hard time with rent collections when COVID first hit and people were getting laid off. And we got the feeling that a lot of C and D class renters, especially, were using COVID as an excuse to not pay rent, whether they had the money or not. It was the people who didn't have a local presence, who didn't have the ability to adapt to the changes in the market, in the economy, in the world, whose portfolios suffered the most. And those are the people that I've been buying from, frankly, for the last couple of years. Having that control, having that ability to adapt to the changes that come in a time like the last few years, very beneficial. Are you seeing anything coming in the next few years, Jacob? Any shifts in the housing market, in the economy, otherwise in the nation or in Texas that you think are going to be challenges for property management to adapt to? Yes. And for us in Texas, it's the growth. I grew up in Dallas. 
And I moved to San Antonio in 2008 after I sold my third software company. And Dallas has been growing ever since I was a kid. I'm kind of an old guy. And everybody thought in 16, Dallas was going to implode and Dallas was going to stop slowing down. But the challenge we have here is how do we keep up with the massive influx of corporations and people coming in? And I don't see any slowdown in general. You can include some of those other Southern states with that because people are leaving other states and they're coming in. I'll just speak for Texas because that's where I am. It's been a challenge to some degree for talent, not as hard as some other management companies. It's been challenging to buy properties that are not a two cap, for example, because equity is, is finding its way to these particular states, Texas included. So for us, it's about maintaining that constant focus on buying the principles right and not getting over our skis, if you would. Yeah, it's acquisitions in markets with lots of growth. I think it's clear to everyone that that's difficult unless you're willing to buy at a two cap in Waco, Texas, you're going to have trouble with acquisitions in a place that's growing outside of acquisitions. This sounds to me, Jacob, like you're describing a dream scenario. Everyone is moving in. The employers are bringing jobs. Are there specific challenges that that presents in the management of your current portfolio? Yes. You did say it makes finding talent more difficult, I believe. Yes. Please continue. That's it. And my pretty good educated guess is most people who work on site would much rather work for an owner operator than a fee base for the reasons I was talking about earlier in the broadcast. So for that particular reason, I don't think we've had a more difficult time bringing in people. The days of $1,200 per unit payroll, that's what it is in Texas. Those are gone. You have to pay these people right. And our investors know it. And they know in reality, we're not spending any extra money. We're investing it and they stay on our properties and they take care of our properties. We just opened up a 401k this year too. So we're just trying to stay nimble, trying to listen to the marketplace that's out there and treat our employees right. Because I, I go back to it. This is a decade of the management company and we're in a good spot, Slocum. We really are. Yeah, Jacob, to your point, when I was interviewing maintenance technicians. I made a great hire recently, but I've gone through a couple of interview processes, a couple of hiring processes in the last six months. The majority of people who made it to the phone interview in my process told me that one of their biggest frustrations was when they came across a problem and they reported it to their supervisor and their supervisor had to go get approval from one or two other people or companies before they could fund the repair replace the vent hood or the door or whatever. And everyone I spoke with, you could hear their excitement when they heard me say, you're calling me when there's an issue and I am making a decision with you over the phone as to what to do next. And then you get to go solve the problem right there. So you're right. Not only because owner operators care more than third-party managers, and I don't want to overgeneralize there, but also we are more nimble because it's much easier for us to make quick decisions and big, bold decisions when necessary. Jacob, we could go for another hour, but that is not what the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever podcast is. Are you ready for our lightning round? Yes, thank you. Awesome. Jacob, what is your best ever way to give back? It's treating our employees right. 
We're very charitable, my wife and I, and I'll leave it at that. What is the best ever book you've recently read? It's not recent, but it's Good to Great by Jim Collins. That's my go-to book, and I love that book. The last time I read it, I didn't have any employees, <laughs> so I need to go back and reread it now that it's more applicable. Jacob, what's the most money you've lost on a deal? Fortunately, none. We have not hit our performance before. It was early on and bought some properties you really shouldn't have or property we shouldn't have. So we've been very fortunate in that yeah. sense. What's the most money you've made on a deal? 340% return. In how long of a time frame? Two years. Oh, wow. But that was back in the day, Slocum, when cap yeah. rates were falling. I could have gone to sleep for two years and woken up and still would have made money. <laughs> Yeah, not a relatable circumstance in 2022, so we'll move on. Jacob, what is your best ever advice? For people that are out there, they want to invest in real estate, either passively or as a sponsor or buy your own. You just have to not skip any steps. You have to find someone who can help you mentor or get educated. If you're an LP, you just got to know your sponsor. Get to know them, pick up the phone and call them and ask them questions. That's the best advice I would give in real estate. And if you don't feel comfortable with them or if they're hurry to get off the phone with you, then they're not right for you then. Great. And Jacob, where can people get in touch with you? My email address is the easiest. It's jacob at jacobgarza.com. It's just basically my name. Send me an email. I'd be happy to help out in any way I can for anyone out there. Great. Well, Jacob, I'm hoping we can have you back on the podcast or one of your partners so we can continue this conversation. But for now, best ever listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this conversation with Jacob Garza and me, we ask that you follow and subscribe the podcast. Leave us a five-star review and share this with someone who you think would benefit from what Jacob has shared with us about self-managing your portfolio as you grow. Thank you and have a best ever day.